And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Until Saturday. My name is Chris Vanini. We are here to talk about oddly specific predictions ahead of the 2023 college football season. This is Until Saturday. This is the Athletics College Football Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts, and on the YouTube channel, which we have up and running as well. Today, it's going to be me and Manny Navarro talking about oddly specific predictions for each Power 5 conference, as well as the group of five. Manny, how's it going, man? I'm doing good, Chris. You know, I feel qualified for this because I've spent my entire life, I'm 45 years old now, every game I watch making really oddly specific predictions during the game, calling out specific pass plays, specific run plays. Uh, you know, I just, it's, it's just part of who I am. I annoy a lot of people when I do this, especially during NFL Sundays. So I feel sort of qualified to come in here and annoy the college football world with these oddly specific predictions. So you are the reason we're doing this episode today. You, you have a piece uh, coming on The Athletic as well, oddly specific predictions. Where did this idea come from? Well, this is from Down Goes Brown, uh, of course. Some, you know who uh, our one of our NHL writers created uh, Down Goes Brown, which which you know he's been doing these predictions for years now, um, and uh, basically we're copying it with college football. Last year, uh, our former colleague Alan Taylor, who covered the, the Gators for us, did it. Uh, I think he hit on about thirty percent of his uh, oddly specific predictions. Now, the thing with Alan is he really went in depth uh, with with really odd predictions. Uh, I'm going to try to keep it simple. Uh, that's what I try to do in the column anyway, try to, to make it a little bit more uh, fan-friendly um, in terms of just, you know, who's winning player of the year, Heisman, uh, th- things of that nature that, that that's a little bit maybe easier to digest. But uh, we will get odd and we will have fun, uh, especially on this podcast, talking about uh, a bunch of different teams and conferences. And, and hopefully you guys enjoy it. Yeah, we've got our conference previews. We've got all sorts of different podcasts. This is going to be a very, very specific one. We'll hit on a bunch of different things. You mentioned Alan had 30%. What what do you consider a good hit for you? Like coming into this, writing the column, what are you trying to get to? Yeah, I, I kind of treat this like baseball. I think if you can hit 300, right, when, when you're throwing some of this stuff on the wall, um, that's that's a good number to have. Uh, anything higher than that, I mean, you're you're a batting champion, right? You're really good at making these predictions. So, look, I, I, it's different from gambling on a on a on a Saturday, gambling on a game, picking a winner a spread versus a spread. Uh, these are very specific, uh, you know, predictions related to players and stats and numbers and so forth. So. Um, I think uh, this is a little bit tougher to hit on. You never know. Injuries affect this, obviously, you know, over the course of a season. So uh, I, I think 30%. If you can hit 300, that's pretty good. I agree. I agree. So we've got three predictions for each conference, Power Fives, as well as a group of five and, and other at the end. Let's start with the SEC. My first oddly specific prediction for the SEC, maybe a hot take, maybe a controversial one. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a big story if it happens. Alabama starts three different quarterbacks in games this season. Tyler Buckner, Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson. That is a position that obviously Alabama did not feel good about coming out of fall camp, so they went and got Buckner from the portal, from Notre Dame. Charlie Weiss Jr. is, is the, the offensive... I'm sorry, Tommy Reese is the offensive coordinator there now. And... I'm in general, I'm wondering if this ends up being a big Alabama step back season because we haven't seen them lack the skilled players like they have this year. Bryce Young, Bryce Young and, and, and Jameer Gibbs carried that offense last year. And now you don't have a Heisman Trophy winner quarterback. So I think they're I think they have some bumps. I think Alabama starts three quarterbacks. What about you? I, I don't disagree. In fact, that that was actually something I mentioned in my column that'll be running in the athletic. I predicted the same exact one. Um, and so I agree with you 100%. I think 
Uh, this is the kind of year where Alabama really doesn't have a guy going into the into the season as far as separating himself, I think, from the rest of the pack. I think Buckner will get the job out of camp because he's run that offense before at Notre Dame and he's familiar with it. Um, but ultimately, uh, I could see this job changing hands multiple times. And I think it's an interesting storyline, certainly, to follow here. Uh, you know, one one fact that I threw out there, I think, it's been at least 10 years. I got to look this up in the article, but it's been more than 10 years since Alabama has lost three games in a single season. But mm -hmm. uh, so I, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen that they're going to lose uh, three or more games. Um, but certainly um, I could see three quarterbacks starting and I think they're going to win a lot of games with defense this year. What about you? What, what's one of your SEC predictions? Well, I, this one's kind of uh, interesting. Brock Bowers, everybody loves Brock Bowers. I've heard Stu Mandel talk about how he might be the best player in college football. I think this year we're all going to buy into the Brock Bowers hype. I think he's going to become the first two-time Mackey Award winner and finish in the top three in the Heisman race. I did look this up. We have not had a tight end finish in the top three of the Heisman race since 19. 77 so it's been a long time and so i'm calling for brock bowers he's a special talent he'll be one of the top five picks in the nfl draft i think next year i think he finishes in the top three of the heisman race i like it top three that's that's even more specific than one of the ones i was going to have because um top three is tough but but we are in the era of the tight end you look at what's going on in the nfl like that is the big offensive weapon now carson beck probably taking over a quarterback at Georgia. That's a pretty good safety valve guy to hit, a guy who can play like a receiver, can spread him out. Big Brock Bowers fan here. I like that. Mine, I guess, my next one is similar, but but not as spicy. Joe Milton taking over a quarterback at Tennessee. He finishes top five in the Heisman. Really like that Josh Heupel offense. It's an offense that throws the ball deep. And if there's one thing Joe Milton can do at Tennessee or wherever is throw the ball deep. So obviously you don't have Jalen Hyatt there. You got some receiver changes, but Joe Milton going to explode out of the scene with a rocket for an arm. And I'll say he finishes top five in the Heisman. Not, not as spicy as yours, but uh, <laughs> I'm really excited to see what he does there. Yeah. I, I think Joe Milton is, uh, you know, he's going to keep uh, that fab freshman, Nico Ayamaleva on the bench, the five-star that they signed. I think Milton's going to start the whole season. I'm picking Tennessee to have a 10-win season. But I think the key to it all is actually going to be Brew McCoy, which comes to my second SEC prediction. I'm predicting Brew McCoy finished second in the race for the Bolitnikoff Award this year. I think he's going to have a monster year replacing Jalen Hyatt. I think Tennessee's going to be great, but I think Brew McCoy is going to get the bulk of that credit uh, because just just what a tremendous talent he is. I could not believe for the year that Jalen Hyatt had, I could not believe he didn't get a NIL deal with Hyatt until <laughs> December 6th. I was looking this up. It was December 6th. They announced an NIL deal with him. That's the end of the season. How did you not get Jalen Hyatt onto a Hyatt NIL deal later? Maybe with Brew McCoy, I guess you can't do uh, alcohol sponsorships, but uh, uh, find a, find an NIL deal. Cause if Brew McCoy is finishing second in the Blitnikoff, he's going to have a lot of long touchdown passes my third and final sec oddly specific prediction jimbo fisher takes back play calling <laughs> in the second game of the season yeah. when they're at miami september 9th we're gonna see if these two personalities can work together to fix that offense i think it could be a really good texas a&m offense i like uh the, the quarterback situation they have they have really good receivers but Ken, but if things are struggling, is Jimbo Fisher going to be able to hold, stop himself from taking over? We saw this with Gus Malzahn, remember, multiple times he would give up the play calling to Rhett Lashley at Auburn only to take it back. You know, like head coaches who call plays have a hard time giving it up. And when they do, they sometimes take it back. So I'm going to say Jimbo Fisher takes the play calling back and he does it two games into the season. You know, it's funny. You and I are like on the same uh, wavelength. I, I didn't say he would take the play calling back, but I said there would be sort of a uh, public display of uh, conflict between him and Bobby Petrino uh, in the Miami game. 
Uh, I did pick the Aggies to win that game without scoring uh, a point in the second half. Uh, <laughs> but I think ultimately that marriage is going to work out. And here's why I think it's going to work out, because they've got Connor Wegman throwing the football. I think he and Evan Stewart are going to put up some huge numbers this year, and I expect the Aggies to be much improved. So I, I, I like your take. I, I think it's a possibility Jimbo takes back the play calling. I wouldn't rule it out, but I, I think ultimately here – uh, he's going to give in to Bobby Petrino in large part because of the work he's going to do with Connor Wegman. All, All right. What's your last SEC one? This one's kind of easy. I, I, I really like LSU's team this year. I don't have them making the playoff, but I've got Harold Perkins winning the Butkus Award and tying Dallas Turner for the SEC lead in sacks with 13. So I got Perkins. Look, he, he's such a phenomenal talent. I know he's moving inside to, to middle linebacker this year. That he, he, was, he really was in, in a huge playmaking role on the outside spot. But I think he's going to be the key to LSU getting back to the SEC championship game, winning the SEC West. Um, I think the offense is going to be better this year, but ultimately it's going to be Perkins, who continues to be one of the best players in college football. So I've got him winning the Butkus. Very rare instances where a defensive player straight up wins you the game. I think a lot of us can say that, what Harold Perkins did to Arkansas last year on, on that game, uh, where LSU really struggled to move the ball. Perkins, I don't remember how many sacks he had, but that dude was on guardable and he's going to be one of the most exciting defensive players to watch in the country this year no doubt let's jump to the big 10 uh i i've got um one here my first oddly specific big 10 prediction one that uh ohio state fans are not going to like michigan <laughs> beats ohio state by multiple touchdowns again wow and they run for more than 200 yards basically what we've seen the last two years happens again in ann arbor uh, once again, well, I listen. I, I I like your thinking here because I think Michigan is going to eventually get back into the college football playoff this year. I'm picking them to, to make it to the playoff a third time in a row, but I'm actually picking Ohio State to win that game. On of all things, a blocked field goal. Okay, uh, look, I'm not saying this is going to be shades of Appalachian State or, or or whatever, but I think Ohio State. You look back at the national championship game. Uh, last year, they had a chance, right, to beat Georgia, missed the field goal at the very end. Uh, I think uh, this time special teams is going to come through for Ryan Day, and they're going to win the game for Michigan uh, late. That's actually in my column, believe it or not, <laughs> even though I didn't pick it for today's uh, episode here on the podcast. Uh, that is something I am predicting. Another thing I'm predicting um, as far as uh, Michigan, uh, I think – you know they're going to get into the playoff mainly because Ohio State loses to Wisconsin. So that's my next prediction. Wisconsin's going to win the Big Ten this year. I know they had a horrible season last year, but I really believe uh, in, in 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 the changes that have been done there. Um, you know, coming off of of last year, the, the coaching staff that was brought in, the quarterback, the transfers that have come into that program. Uh, Luke Fickle just feels like one of those guys. Uh, you know, who's going to come in and make an instant impact. I think, you know, the hiring of the offensive coordinator uh, from, from North Carolina, I think he's going to make a huge impact. So that's my first big, uh, bold prediction. Wisconsin, not Michigan, not Ohio State, will win the Big Ten this year. Wisconsin feels like a team that could really blow up this year that we're not talking about. You've got Braylon Allen running back, Tanner Mordecai coming in from SMU can throw the ball around Phil Longer, the offensive coordinator can run an air raid, can run the ball. depends on what they want to do. And Luke Fickle's a really good coach. Mike Trussell is defensive coordinator. There's a chance like, like Wisconsin made this higher. So they would not continue to be Wisconsin. So they could be something better. And that could very well happen quickly. I, I think that was maybe the best hire of the off season. One that we probably don't talk about enough. We talk about Matt rule. We talk about Dan Sanders. We don't talk about Luke Fickle enough. I'm speaking of coaches, my next specific, maybe it's not that odd at this point, but my specific Michigan prediction, Jim Harbaugh, this is his last year. And I think we've had two years in a row where he's flirted with the NFL. Sometimes there hasn't been an offer there for him to take, but with, 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 with the fighting that's going on over this NCAA case over recruiting during the dead period, whether or not it's about a cheeseburger or, or, or more than that, um, He's clearly very upset about this, and he is partially in trouble because he allegedly uh, wasn't fully truthful with investigators about it. So I, I wonder if if Michigan has a big year, which I think they will, if he decides for sure he's out. Because Jim Harbaugh has not lasted all that long at every place he's been. Um, 
even when he's been successful. So Jim Harbaugh last season at Michigan, that's one of my big 10 predictions. That's a huge one. Um, and, and I'm interested to see where he goes because it feels like the NFL is probably the only right fit for him at this point. My question is, he's he's done a good job at Michigan the last few years. Why, have, why hasn't an NFL team hired him yet, uh, Chris? I mean, it sort of seems like uh, the opportunity has been there. Uh, and it just hasn't happened. So I don't know. It, but it'll be interesting to see if this really is his last year. Uh, I don't think Michigan would fall apart if Jim Harbaugh were to leave. I'm pretty sure they could they could hire a coach and bring somebody in there to replace him that would do a really good job. I think he's got it rolling in the right direction. Um, but certainly, if it is his final year, uh, I'm interested to see which NFL team ends up uh, bringing him back. Uh, that'll be that'll be interesting for sure. All right. So I, I mentioned Wisconsin. Um, Winning the Big Ten this year, uh, which you know it's been a while since we've had, a, I guess, a, a, a team from the from the Big Ten West, right? When, when the uh, when the conference, I think a big reason is going to be Tanner Mordecai, the quarterback who they brought in from SMU. In fact, I think Tanner Mordecai is going to eclipse Russell Wilson's school record for yards and touchdown passes. In case you were wondering, uh, Russell Wilson threw for. 3,175 yards and 33 touchdown passes. Look, I know Wisconsin's always been a team that runs the football. You, you mentioned Braylon Allen earlier. They're going to have one of the best backfields, uh, I think, in the country. But I, I think ultimately what's going to make Wisconsin a team capable of winning the Big Ten this year is the fact that they've got Mordecai, a guy who I think had a lot of success at SMU throwing the football, running this kind of offense. And I think that's going to make uh, Wisconsin special this year. First off, the school record for passing yards for Wisconsin is 3,175, 3,175. That is not very high. I, 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 think, <laughs> I think that could happen. I, I can't believe that it wasn't bigger because I covered Michigan State that season, 2011, and Russell Wilson was there, and he was electric. Man, Russell Wilson at Wisconsin was incredible. I didn't realize he only passed for 3,100 yards. I would have guessed it was a lot higher than that. So I think Tanner Mordecai, that's certainly something he can do my last big 10 prediction marvin harrison jr star wide receiver at ohio state has multiple 200 yard receiving games i do not believe he has had one in his career i think he gets two this season his 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 career high is he had 185 against penn state last year 184 against arkansas state i think he breaks the 200 yard mark twice this year for ohio state well, I wouldn't be surprised at all. In fact, that is my uh, huge prediction uh, for Marvin Harrison. Not only is he going to uh, eclipse 200 yards, as you said, I got him winning uh, the Bolitnikoff Award and becoming the first in the Big Ten since Braylon Edwards in 2004. It's been a while since the Big Ten has had a receiver do that. And so uh, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is is going to be the best receiver in college football this year. I know that's not an extremely bold prediction. Uh, <laughs> Bruce Feldman has him number two on his freaks list this year. So it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm breaking any new territory here. But I think it is significant, especially with the number of talented receivers that Ohio State has, that he'd be the first one to break through and win it um, for the Big Ten since Braylon Edwards in 2004. And, and, you know, plus there's a lot of options to throw the ball to there. Uh, I just think this is going to be a special special year for Marvin Harrison Jr. Similar to the Russell Wilson point, I can't believe it's been almost 20 years since the Big Ten had a Belitnikoff winner. I grew up in Michigan. I remember that season for Braylon Edwards. I can't believe they haven't had another one since. They've had good, really good receivers. I know this is not the and that was Braylon Edwards in a Lloyd Carr offense back in 2004 that won that award. They don't do that anymore. Um, surprise, though, that's it. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. 
tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Let's jump into the ACC. My first prediction, Louisville, under first-year head coach Jeff Brom, wins 10 games. Wow. And I'm a big believer in Jeff Brom in general. But most importantly, they do not have Florida State or Clemson on the schedule. That is a big plus. Those are two top 10 teams in that conference. They do have Notre Dame. They've got NC State on the road, Pitt on the road, Miami on the road. But you look through that schedule, there are a lot of winnable games here. So I'm going to say Louisville wins 10 games in the first season. They got Plummer, the quarterback, back from Cal. Played under him. Uh, played under Brom at Purdue. Uh, big, big believer in Louisville this season. Well, I like Louisville. I think I think they're certainly the the kind of program. When you look at the ACC, and, and obviously we have no idea what's going to happen here with Florida State digging into that grant of rights and, and trying to find a way out. Um, but long term, I think Louisville is the kind of program that can really rise. They've got the the strong uh, name, image, and likeness program there. They just picked up 25 transfers in the portal. Brom was very, very busy picking up guys. Um, and so, I, look, the over-under for wins this year for Louisville is eight and a half. I actually bet the under when when we when Grace Rayner and I put together our list of over-under for the ACC. And this is the only reason why. They lost. They led the ACC in sacks last year with 50 sacks. And 32 of those sacks are gone uh, in terms of Yaya Diaby and some of the other linemen um, that they had leave the team and and get drafted. Not only is Brom coming in and putting a new offense, but they've also got essentially a new defense as well. They ran a 4-2-5 last year. It's going to look different um, this year. And and so I think defensively is where they're going to be a little bit more susceptible. Uh, they were, like I said, great at getting into the quarterback a year ago. So I'm going to disagree with you. I got Louisville winning eight games this year. All right. Big difference there. All right. What do you got? All right. My uh, prediction uh, has to do uh, – we'll start with Florida State uh, because they're everybody's darlings this year. I've got Florida State's Jordan Travis winning the ACC Player of the Year award, not Drake May. I have him going to the Heisman Finals, uh, being a finalist, being up on stage there with everybody else. Uh, and I've got the Seminoles finishing with an 11-1 season. But I don't have them beating Clemson in the ACC title game rematch, have them missing the playoffs, but they will get back to the ACC title game for the first time since 2014. So you have them beating LSU, but then and Clemson, Clemson in September. Yes, I got okay, them winning, but- winning every game up until Pittsburgh when they've got a road oh. game at Pittsburgh, and then I got them losing the rematch in the ACC title game to Clemson. All right, I, I I like that. It's it's fun. You know, we always focus when we look at the schedules. Oh, that's a win. That's a loss. It's fun when we have surprises like that. That's one thing with Ohio State. Under Urban Meyer, remember, they'd always drop a game you didn't expect them to. Yep. Purdue, Iowa, stuff like that. It hasn't really happened under Ryan Day. You picked Wisconsin to beat them. That could be that as well. Florida State beating Clemson, losing to Pitt. That would be that would be spicy. That would be fun. Speaking of Florida State, my second ACC prediction, Jared Verse leads the nation in sacks and is a top 10 Pick. I visited Florida State last year in the spring, and the coaching staff raved about Verse. He was a transfer from Albany. They couldn't believe nobody had really seen him yet. They get him in as a transfer. He has a monster year last year. Just probably a top 20 pick, first-round pick potentially last year, decides to stay, and that's one of the reasons this FSU team is loaded. Um, Verse is incredibly quick out of his burst right off the snap. He's going to be a very fun player to watch. Jared Verse leads the nation in sacks and becomes a top 10 pick. What do you think about yeah, that? I, I agree with you. I think that's definitely going to happen. The one thing I had a chance to talk to Jared at, at the ACC media days, he is such a fun and loosey-goosey type guy. You can see uh, why he's such a positive influence on his teammates. Some guys, you know, they're, they're, they're dominant at their position. They got a little bit of arrogance about them, right? They're kind of like overly confident. Um, this is just a, a, a regular straight up dude. Uh, you know, a guy obviously who, who came up to FSU over from Albany, 
uh, was sort of humbled having the, you know, signed with an FCS program before Florida State uh, came and called on him. And I just thought, you know, that's something personality wise that I thought was really cool that this is, this is a guy that you can see everybody at Florida State sort of just gravitating to on that defense. And I agree with you. I think this is why guys like Jared Verse and Jordan Travis that weren't very highly recruited, but have transferred to Florida State and become real leaders and, and guys that everybody wants to play around is why Florida State will have a chance to make the playoff this year. Yeah, right. they haven't really picked. I mean, you would know better, but Florida State hasn't had the momentum as much in high school recruiting, especially in Florida. But their transfers, they have an incredibly good hit rate on transfers. And that's, yeah, that's and, continued and, last couple of years. And Mike Norvell is really starting to do well on the recruiting trail now after he mm-hmm. sort of built the team through the transfer port. FSU, I think, has a top five class right now. Um, but you're right. I mean, it was built through the transfer portal and it was really built on identifying uh, players that he felt were good personality fits for the program. Mike and I spoke for a while uh, in Charlotte, and and he really wanted to get that point across. Hey, it wasn't just who's the biggest, strongest, fastest, but it's more about personality and how do they sort of fit us at Florida State. All right, so I gave you a Seminoles prediction. It's time for me to give you a Clemson prediction. All right, this one is kind of spicy. I got Clemson losing the opener at Duke on opening Ooh, night. Oh, Wow. Yes, I think it's going to be a rough September for the Tigers. I got them losing at Florida State uh, at versus Florida State at home as well. And I think a part of that uh, is just you know part of Kate Klubnick uh, and Garrett Riley getting on the same page early in the season. I know uh, Riley has been around um, since January. He's been working uh, with the young quarterback Klubnick uh, over there at Clemson, but. Uh, sometimes, you know, you hit a little rough patch, right? When a new guy comes in, Garrett Riley's a phenomenal coordinator. He did obviously a tremendous job, uh, with TCU this past season and, and at SMU before that. Uh, but I think Clemson's got some young receivers, some guys that, um, need to sort of be brought along. I I'm picking Clemson to win the ACC in the end and to finish 11 and two. But I just think early on that Duke game, Duke had such a great year last year. I really think Riley Leonard and those guys can pull it off. My my concern about Duke is that they had some crazy good turnover luck last year. They led the nation in opponent fumbles. They led the nation in fumbles recovered. They were second in turnover margin behind USC, uh, which just simply never turned the ball over. Mike Mike Elko had a great first year there. Um, you take a step back. You might get better, but maybe take a step back because a couple of things don't go your way like that. My last ACC prediction, I kind of already hinted at it when I was talking about Louisville, Jeff Brom, ACC coach of the year. I think if they win 10 games, that is enough to win ACC coach of the year because winning coach of the year awards is about defying expectations. It's not about having the best team in the conference. So uh, continuing my, my Louisville excitement, I'm going to say <laughs> Jeff Brom coach of the year. Yeah, I got Mike Norville winning coach of the year, even though he doesn't win the conference. I think the regular season and, and getting Florida state back to the ACC title game uh, is going to win him that award and most of the praise for during the regular season. Uh, my other prediction is uh, Drake May. Uh, look, I said earlier I, I picked Jordan Travis to win the ACC Player of the Year. I think his stats are going to drop off this past uh, this coming season uh, with Phil Longo going off to Wisconsin. I still think he's going to be the number two pick behind Caleb Williams, but I just think statistically, look, North Carolina is built to run the ball more this year. They've got a pretty good running game, uh, a couple of talented backs, uh, but he's going to be without Tez Walker, at least right now anyway. Um, You know, Tez Walker, the transfer who came over and had his uh, waiver uh, denied here recently by the NCAA. So I think he's going to miss his receivers a little bit this year. and, And I just think statistically, it's not going to be as strong a season as it was a year ago. Yeah, North Carolina has been a weird team. When they have high expectations, they stumble. When they have low expectations, they surprise. Drake May came onto the scene last year with his throwing and running ability and now top two NFL pick just like that after one year. Um, sometimes, guys, after a big year, you got more film on you. Things don't go as well the next time. But but the, the physical tools are clearly there, and uh, we'll see how that goes for him. Let's jump to the Big 12. Speaking of quarterbacks, Max Duggan last year, Heisman runner-up, but he didn't. He wasn't the starter at the beginning of the season. That was Chandler Morris, son of Chad Morris. I'm going to say Chandler Morris surpasses Max Duggan's 8.8 yards per attempt. I didn't want to say total passing yards because TC was in the playoff in the Big 12. They had some more games, so it was kind of difficult to do that. But 8.8 yards per attempt, that's usually like top 20 nationally, I think. But Chandler Morris, everything I heard about TCU kind of 
last season and then coming into this season was that he was better than Max Duggan in practice, but Max Duggan would just do what he did during games and you can't take him out when, when, when stuff like that is going well. Obviously, TCU has to replace some receivers, some big name, some big name guys. But uh, I, I'm really high on, I think, what uh, what Chandler Morris could do there. Um, uh, 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 Riles, the new offensive coordinator there. K.J. Jefferson had over nine yards per attempt at Arkansas last year uh, with Kendall Bryles as OC. So Chandler Morris, big year, eight point, over Max Duggan's 8.8 yards per pass. Well, I, I see it going a little differently. This is where you and I uh, disagree, Chris. I think That's TCU, uh, I, I just think they're going to really miss Doug and uh, Kendra Miller and Quentin Johnson. I think that, that trio was so special last year, obviously a big reason why they made it to the national championship game. Um, I think ultimately this TCU team is going to be led by its defense. I'm, I'm expecting them to win nine games. Uh, they won't win the, the Big 12 or, or even get to the Big 12 title game, but I still think they're going to have a good year and be one of the better teams in the Big 12. I just think Bud Clark, the safety uh, at TCU, he's going to be the reason why. I've got him with seven interceptions this coming season to lead the league. So that's my TCU prediction for the Big 12. That is, uh, yeah, t- like TCU, like last year, they the, the the amount of games they win via late comeback or stuff like that, they easily could have dropped a couple other games. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of the way things go. That was a really fun team last year. Like, let's say, like TCU's run last year is what we want college football to be. You know, as we talk about conference realignment or whatever the sport is going to become, it surprised teams like that making a run to the national championship game, even though they got plastered in the final. That was a fun season. And uh, it was. I just think it's going to be, Chris. I just think it's going to be harder for teams to do that going to the twelve-team playoff. You think Mm -hmm. about such a physical battle that TCU had last year with Michigan in the semifinal, right? Um, Could TCU, uh, you know, go in as a as a non-top four seed and win two of those games to get to the national championship game? That's that's a much taller task, I think, Uh, and, and so. It's a shame, it's, but it's going to be part of what going to a 12-team playoff means. I think it's just going to be more rare to see those kind of runs happen. Let's, my second Big 12 prediction here. This one, we're going to jump into recruiting. UCF, hmm. which is in the Big 12 now, yeah. finishes atop the conference in the recruiting rankings by the time the early signing period comes around. They are currently number one. They have nine four-star players committed According to 24-7 Sports, class, I think it's about 20 guys right now. And I did, I did a big story on UCF about them coming into the Big 12, how they got there. And one thing Gus Malzahn kept saying was like, man, now that we're in the Big 12, that's taking our recruiting up to another level. UCF is in a prime location to recruit. Man, he lives in Miami. He knows the state of Florida <laughs> recruiting down there. UCF yep. for a long time has been unable to get guys because they were a group of five program. Now they are a power five program. And with what the, with the, they've they've opened up the recruiting uh, department there, they've got really good, talented uh, people doing that. Will Healy, the former head coach at Charlotte, is helping lead a lot of the recruiting visits and stuff like that. They kind of showed me the the TikTok of how they schedule visits. They've got, you know, Gus Malzahn comes to the SEC. They've got recruiting the recruiting machine locked down now, and you're starting to see that with the way UCF is getting talent. So I think they finished number one in the. Big 12 in recruiting. Yeah, and, and they're they're number one right now, as you mentioned. And so I, I agree with you. I think, you know, the one thing about Malzahn, and we'll get into just a, t- a tidbit of the recruiting here, is, you know, he's gone into Georgia uh, and other places. This isn't just sort of keeping great players home in the state of Florida. He's actually won recruiting battles across state lines. And so to me, uh, you look at UCF and, and just the job that he's doing there. Uh, he, you know, when I spoke to him last year, Uh, He said to me, we've got to get offensive and defensive linemen that can play in the Big 12. We need to get big, uh, powerful guys. And and so I think they're doing that here in this process. I like the running backs that they've they've got committed right now in this class. So I think it's if you're a UCF fan, this is exactly what you were hoping to see when they moved to the Big 12, that they that they really ramped up uh, their recruiting efforts. All right. My second prediction here for the Big 12, and this is a big one. Um, I got Texas losing to Alabama in week two at Alabama, but I've got them running the table from there and becoming the number two seed behind Georgia in the hmm. 14 playoff. That I know I made Ari Wasserman happy. <laughs> so, so, well, let's jump back. So Alabama, you 
don't have faith in their quarterback situation, but you think it'll be enough to beat Texas? I think week two of the season, absolutely. I think the fact that some of these games are going to be uh, taking place early on in the year, these big matchups, uh, Alabama being at home, um, you know, I, I think as the season goes on, coordinators just get better at taking things away from from quarterbacks and offenses <laughs> that they study. And so that's where I think mm-hmm. Alabama struggles will come from. I think for in week two for Texas, going into Tuscaloosa and having to win this game there. I know last year they should have beaten Alabama. They had that game won. Yeah. I just think Nick Saban uh, and his defensive coaching staff, uh, that that's going to be the difference in the game. Guys like Dallas Turner. Uh, but the bigger thing here is that Texas is going to run the table and win the Big 12 and finish number two behind Georgia in the 14 playoffs. So I got, I got a, a double uh, prediction there for you regarding the Longhorns. How good do you think the Longhorns really will be, Chris? Look, if... if- if there was a year for Texas to do it, this would be the year. They've got all the tools. They've got quarterback play. They've got receivers. They finally have, I think, have a good offensive line. Defense should be improved. Like it's the last year in the Big 12, but if they can't put it together now, if, if they don't win the Big 12 and, and have another eight and four type of season, I'd be very concerned about going into the SEC next year. Like I, I know people say Texas is overhyped. Why do we pick them? They never win, yada, yada, yada. And you're right. But the pieces are there for Oklahoma, for for Texas, and Oklahoma isn't old Oklahoma. You know, you might, honestly, the most surprising part to me of your whole thing is that Texas goes undefeated in Big Twelve play. This is yeah. a deep conference, top to bottom. There is nobody you can just walk over. So to go would be nine and zero in the Big Twelve, and then win the Big Twelve championship game. That would be incredibly impressive. Well, I just think they're due. I think they've they've got a ton of talent on that roster. Uh, you look at them, uh, and, and you look at a lot of the regular season meetings. In fact, I was going to look at their schedule now uh, and and call it up. Was I remember when I was writing the predictions? I thought, man, they yes, they've got to play at Baylor, at Houston, at TCU, and Iowa State. But um, I don't think any of those games. I mean, I don't know. I guess maybe TCU. They'd be the underdog there. That's it, right? They'd be favored at Baylor, I'd assume. Yeah, yeah, I think they would be. They'll be favored in most of those games, not favored by a lot. Right. But I think they'll be favored. So I just so. think uh, they're sort of set up well. Uh, I think Quinn Ewers is going to have a huge year for them. I also really like the, their freshman running back, Cedric Baxter, uh, who's who's actually from the state of Florida, uh, Orlando area high school. I got to watch him quite a bit. Uh, so I think this is this is the year for Texas to uh, to make the college football playoff. My third Big 12 prediction it's going to hurt Kansas State fans, but not in the way you think. Kansas State offensive coordinator Colin Klein gets hired away after the season, lands at some other place, maybe an SEC school or something like that. Klein, obviously the former, I think he was a Heisman finalist when he played at Kansas State. He's been on the staff since 2017 uh, with Chris Kleiman, took over as offensive coordinator last year, did a great job. They win the Big 12, nearly beat TCU twice. Uh, I think they have another big year offensively. Got to replace some running backs and, and find some things. But with, with Howard at quarterback and stuff like that, I think Kansas State has a a good season, and it's a kind of offense, versatile offense, that someone else is going to pay a lot of money to hire him away. So Colin Klein leaves his alma mater to take another job, offense coordinator job somewhere else, or maybe a head coaching job. But I think uh, he has another big year, ends up somewhere else. That's my last Big 12 prediction. All right. I, I could buy it. I mean, listen, Kansas State uh, has a, a tremendous program. I, I love the – I mean, they've been very, very consistent for years now. And, and, and you mm-hmm. know, that that's what happens to good coaches. They get hired away to new spots. Um, did did you, did you see that Deuce Vaughn uh, uh, wiggle in the preseason the other oh, day? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they made two players just run into each other. Like, yeah. just like not quite Barry Sanders, but like a Barry Sanders type highlight. If you haven't seen that, go look up that Deuce Vaughn highlight. That was awesome. I remember – covering the uh the TCU game the Ch- Big 12 championship game and Vaughn Deuce Vaughn got out in the open field I think there was only a safety left and everybody knew it was about to happen and he flipped that defender turned him around broke his ankles for a touchdown uh love Deuce Vaughn will miss him in college football yes for sure all right last Big 12 prediction for me uh Oklahoma we haven't really brought them up too much here uh Dylan Gabriel uh what is this? His 14th season in college football now? It's pretty. It's pretty ridiculous how long he's been playing. Um, I know there's a lot of excitement about Jackson Arnold. 
the freshman who, who who was signed, you know, and same thing with Nico Leva over at Tennessee. Everybody's like, well, these these freshmen are going to get on the field fast. I say hold on to your horses. I got Dylan Gabriel throwing 33 touchdown passes and leading the Sooners to the Big 12 championship game where they will lose to Texas for the second time. I'm a big fan of Dylan Gabriel. We just haven't seen it in a while. He Because he's got hurt. A couple of years ago, he was at UCF. Um, doesn't quite fit in the Gus Malzahn offense, and he gets hurt. Transfers. Gets hurt again last year. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I really hope Dylan Gabriel stays healthy because he can be a very electric player. He did a really good job at UCF. We just haven't seen it in a while. So, if he stays healthy, 33 touchdown passes, I mean, that tells me Oklahoma's back on track uh, after last season. So, we'll see. I mean, look, I covered that Texas-Oklahoma game, the Red River game that was just mm-hmm. – I forgot the final score was. It was like a million to nothing or something. 49 nothing, I believe. 49 nothing. Oklahoma just did not have a quarterback like for a bit last season. And they still went six and six and had some close games. You get good quarterback play. I think that's a team that can make a big jump up from what they were last year. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's move over to the Pac-12. The potentially last season of the Pac-12. Check out the Pac-12 preview Ari and I did uh, a couple days ago on your feed. My first prediction, Oregon State is 9-1 going into the final two games of the regular season against Washington and Oregon. They split those two games and they play for the Pac-12 championship. Oregon State has a Pretty favorable schedule this year. A lot of the Pac-12, their biggest games are at the very end of the season. But Oregon State doesn't play USC this year. The non-conference schedule is very manageable. If DJ Uangalale at quarterback gets back into form a bit, and I trust Jonathan Smith, really good coach, to, to get that out of him, Oregon State could be America's team this year. With what's going on in conference realignment, Oregon State potentially being left behind. I think you'll have a lot of people rooting for them to have a big year. That is a really fun place. I visited Oregon State last year. Really great fans. Really hate what's happening to them. I think they could have a really big year. So I think they start off 9-1. and one. Big start. Everybody gets behind them. America's darling and stuff like that. They split those last two, the Washington-Oregon games. And they play for the Pac-12 championship, which they haven't won. They haven't gone to a Rose Bowl since the 60s, I believe. Wow. So uh, that's my thought on the Beavers. Yeah, I listen. I, I we're we're sort of on the same wavelength here. Uh, the Beavers are twelve and one at home over the last two seasons. I got them beating Washington uh, on November eighteenth to put themselves in position to reach the Pac twelve title game. But unfortunately, I just don't see the happy ending. I think Oregon is going to beat them uh, to end the regular season and to vault themselves and Washington into the Pac twelve title game. So uh, while I'm feeling the Beaver love, and I certainly think uh, Damian Martinez is going to do a phenomenal job running the football with DJ player. back there at, at quarterback, uh, I think losses to Utah and Oregon is going to stop the dream season from happening in the final year of the Pac-12 as we know it. So you and I kind of on the same page. I just don't think they get there. I think 10 wins for this Oregon State team, and they just miss a spot in the Pac-12 title game. All right, so... Uh, obviously, you, I already sort of gave away the, <laughs> the, 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 the big predictions with the Pac-12, which is who's playing in, in the uh, championship game. That means USC's uh, is not in the Pac-12 championship game. In fact, I've got Caleb Williams um, 
accounting for 55 touchdowns this season between passing and 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 running. Uh, I just don't think he wins the Heisman again, and I don't think the Trojans win the Pac-12. I think this is a, a product of the football gods uh, being angry with USC because they broke up the Pac-12. What say you, Chris? <laughs> 55 touchdowns. Let's see. Last year he had 42 passing touchdowns, 10 rushing. So he was at 52. Right. I so got him you at think 55. Get, you think he's going to get to 55? It, 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 it's interesting. Like, We've had a number of players now win the Heisman and come back and not quite get there. Bryce Young, yep. obviously the most recent one. I feel like 55 touchdowns would be enough to potentially do it unless somebody else has an unreal season. Do you have a Heisman pick if it's not Caleb Williams? I, I do. In fact, uh, it's it's one of your predictions. Oh, okay. Well, I'll hold that then. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Yes. But, but uh, all right, Caleb Williams. I'll hold. Actually, I'll just say now my my second Pac-12 prediction. I guess we're both on the same page. Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback at Washington, wins the Heisman Trophy. I am a big Washington believer this year. Caleb DeBoer's record as a head coach is something like ninety and eleven. He's won everywhere he's been. Second year with that group, they've got a great group of receivers. Penix uh, led the country in passing yards per game last year. I think he has a huge season. I think Washington wins the Pac-12. I'm not sure about the playoff because of how tough the league is, but I've got Michael Penix Jr. winning the Heisman, and I guess it sounds like you do too. I do, and I think a big part of that is because he's got two of the best receivers in the country, uh, and, and uh, Rome Udunze and uh, Jalen McMillan. Um, you know, that's that that core right there. You talk about him leading the, the country and passing. Uh, I think he's going to put up huge numbers. This is going to be the top offense in the country this year. So I'm I'm with you 100%. I think Michael Penix wins the Heisman and gets a one-loss Washington team into the college football playoff. But you think that one loss then is to Oregon State? Yes, correct. Okay. I think that will be the one loss to Oregon State the next to, to last week of the season. Uh, but they will come back. Uh, and win the Apple Cup the following week and uh, get into the Pac-12 championship game where they will beat Oregon, which gets me to my next prediction, okay, which has to do with Bo Nix, uh, who I think is probably one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I think he's going to be extremely efficient this season. In fact, I'm predicting Bo Nix only turns it over five times the entire season between fumbles and and interceptions. He's going to be extremely efficient. Uh, I just think two of those five turnovers are in late game losses to Washington. Oof. That is, that is, th- th- that's the fun of this exercise. That's the very specificness of it. He had yes. seven interceptions last year. You think less than, I don't know the fumbles because they don't record that on normal stats. So you think less than five total, but they cost them the Washington game. Is, is that, the first Washington game, or is that Both. the Pac-12 championship game? Both games. Oh, okay. Yes, so it's fourth quarter turnovers will cost them. And it's going to be a shame because Bo Nix, like I said, he's an extremely efficient uh, player. Uh, he's become that at Oregon. I just think um, that w- at the end of the season, uh, when when Oregon and Washington are playing for the Big 12 title game, we're going to be talking about how good both of those guys are and how they, you know, they, they've had phenomenal seasons outshining essentially a guy who had 55 touchdowns and getting their teams to the conference championship. Uh, I just think in the end, Bo, I got Bo Nix uh, with a couple turnovers, uh, basically costing Oregon the conference title. All right. Speaking of Oregon, my final Pac-12 specific prediction, Dan Lanning takes a shot at Deion Sanders in Colorado in the post-game press conference after blowing out Colorado. You may have seen a couple of uh, weeks ago when Colorado announced they were leaving the Big 12, and uh, Dan Lanning was quick to say, well, they haven't won anything in the Big 12, essentially, so (laughs) what are we going to miss? And a little smirk there, and it it was a big rallying cry for the Pac-12 in this moment until Oregon and Washington then jumped to the Big 10 afterward. But I think I'm very curious this year with the momentum that Deion Sanders has, how many coaches, especially the big recruiters, are going to try to slow that down either by blowing them out on the field, by by making comments about it here, back in there. We've seen Dan Lanny take a shot at Colorado already. I think they blow out Colorado, and he tries to make a point as they battle the buffs on the recruiting trail. He makes a little fun comment in the postgame press conference. 
I'm totally buying that. Uh, I'm sure Dan Lanning's going to try to stick it to Dion. Although there, you know, this rivalry is pretty much dead, right? Because uh, Oregon <laughs> will be going to the Big Ten and and Colorado the Big Twelve, so we won't see uh, that that game again in the future, probably. But uh, I like it. Um, my final prediction for the Pac-12. Look, we haven't brought up Utah, who's obviously won the league two years in a row, uh, and and obviously Kyle Whittingham, the, the job that he's done there over the years. I think they're going to go to the Big 12 conference and dominate that conference for years to come. I really do. I think Utah is, is well positioned to be uh, a team that regularly makes the playoff with Winningham as their coach. Um, what I do have the Utes doing this year, even though they're not getting to the Big uh, to the uh, Pac-12 title game, I got them leading the league in scoring defense. Uh, I think Cole Bishop is going to lead the conference with seven picks, uh, and Utah will allow only 18 points a game. So I think they're going to be stingy. I just think with Michael Penix uh, and some of the other talented quarterbacks in this league, there's going to be a couple games where they just, they're just they just not good enough to, to pull out those Ws. That's a pretty good improvement. They allowed 21.4 points per game last year, and, and allowing 18 points per game would put you top 10 nationally. So... Uh, th- that that's going to be tough to do in this Pac-12 with those quarterbacks. Yep. If they allow 18 points per game, that's going to be a hell of a performance. So, I mean, we've seen you, you, we know you talk and play defense, so certainly possible. Let's jump now, wrap this up with the group of five slash other, although I think all of our predictions are in the group of five. So sorry, Notre Dame, you are not included in this. I'm going to say South Alabama beats both Tulane and Oklahoma State on the road in the non-conference, they win the group of five New Year's spot, and Carter Bradley, the quarterback, throws for 300 yards in Stillwater. Wow. I am very high on the South Alabama team, a team I don't think anybody's really talking about that much. But Troy Troy won the Sun Belt last year, as we all know, but they barely eked out a win against South Alabama uh, in Mobile last year. Now, South Alabama's got a tough schedule, but this team under Kane Womack, the head coach, they got very good very fast. And it's a very young program, too. Best season they ever had last year. They should have beat UCLA last year if they didn't do a weird fake field goal. But they've got a lot back. South Alabama, I think, wins the group of five spot this year. And they beat Tulane week one, Oklahoma State a few weeks later, both on the road. Big South Alabama picks right there. All right. Uh, I, I like it. Uh, look, it, it, it kind of goes against what I'm predicting here, but uh, it's an interesting storyline. It's South Alabama. Can you imagine if South Alabama is the best team in Alabama this year? <laughs> yeah, no, never know. <laughs> might, be, be. might be an interesting storyline if uh, if things fall apart at the quarterback position for the Crimson Tide. Anyway, uh, I got UTSA uh, coming over from Conference USA and winning the AAC in year one behind quarterback Frank Harris, and I got them actually uh, in the New York New Year's Six uh, spot. So UTSA, I know they lost their uh, talented wide receiver uh, who transferred out of the program, but Frank Harris is still there playing quarterback, and uh, they just, they've just done a phenomenal – the Roadrunners have been just an exciting team to sort of see grow really quickly here in college football. They've got a great recruiting base, obviously, in the state of Texas. I think this is UTSA's year to make it to a uh, to a major bowl game. Yeah, they are pretty loaded. Even though they lost a receiver late in, late in the transfer process to Ole Miss, they should have a big year. I'm going to next go with Boise State. I'm going to say Boise State quarterback Taylor Green runs for more than 500 yards on the year, throws for more than 2,500, is the Mountain West Offensive Player of the Year. I think this guy, if you didn't pay attention to Boise State last year when they started 2-2, two and two, they lose to UTEP, they fire the OC, Hank Bachmeyer goes in the portal. They completely turned it around after that. They went eight and eight and one Mountain West Conference play. Taylor Green, a redshirt freshman quarterback, six foot six, runs like a gazelle, had a big second half of the season. I think he takes a huge step forward for them. I think Boise State wins the Mountain West, is right in there in that group of five contention. Their issue is they play Washington week one. Look out for that game. But they've got Washington. UCF, Memphis, San Diego State, all within like the first five games. Very difficult schedule for them, just like South Alabama as well. So 500 rushing yards, more than 2,500 passing yards for Taylor Green, the bowling, uh, Boise State quarterback. All right. Well, I got another quarterback uh, blowing up uh, in the AAC as well, and that's Michael Pratt uh, from Tulane. Obviously, last year, Tulane was, was the darling of the G5s, uh, winning uh, the Cotton Bowl against USC. Uh, Pratt 
I, th- I got him winning the AAC Player of the Year award this year uh, with over 4,000 yards of total offense and 40 total touchdowns uh, between rushing uh, and passing. And, and I think ultimately Tulane, I, you know, some of us think, you know, after a season like that, there's going to be a natural drop off. I don't think they're going to win the, the, the league this year, but I do think Michael Pratt is going to keep them above water. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's, he gets a little bit of Heisman buzz uh, for, for his performance this year. Uh, he's a kid here out of uh, the South Florida area. So I, I'm, I'm believing in uh, Michael Pratt. Fun fact about Michael Pratt. This will be the first time in his football career that he will have the same play caller two years in a row. Throughout high school, throughout college, different guy every single time. So wow. that's going to be a big boost to your uh, your Michael Pratt campaign there. My <laughs> last group of five prediction, John Summerall, the coach at Troy, Kane Walmack, coach at South Alabama, they both stay at their schools mm. for at least another year. These are two guys with SEC ties. Walmack coached at Ole Miss, Summerall coached at Kentucky. They feel like potential future SEC head coaches. But when I look at the state of the SEC, I don't know if anyone's going to fire their coach. Arkansas, maybe. Florida, probably not. Missouri, Drinkwich just got an extension. Vanderbilt, Clark Lee just got an extension. I don't see any coaching changes coming in the SEC. I probably should have made that one of my SEC predictions. But because (laughs) of that, I think John Summerall stays at Troy. Kane Womack stays at South Alabama. And the Sun Belt uh, continues to keep two of the rising head coaches in the sport. It's important uh, for, I think, uh, a lot of these G5 schools to hold on to uh, the guys that they have. And I I know ultimately that's going to be a big issue here in the years to come, right, with the Big Ten and SEC uh, having so much more money than everybody else to spend and and ultimately spend a lot of it on, on hiring coaching staffs. I'm interested to see who who leaves a job like that to go become a coordinator right at at a big 10 or sec school how often we'll see that sort of happen because the salaries are going to be such such a drastic difference but i but i like that prediction because that means we've got some g5 schools doing the right things and and keeping keeping people around uh the last one for me uh from g5s we talked about ucf's recruiting earlier how about usf and alex golish i got a chance to talk to alex golish uh for a story i did recently on the bulls and uh, he's really, I, I know there's a lot of, you know, transfer portal type action going on with G5 schools and, and sort of picking up guys that just come home. He's got uh, the top recruiting class among G5 schools at the moment. They're ranked 56th. The USF Bulls are uh, 16 commitments, including a blue chipper. Um, so a pretty good job there by Alex Golish. I think he's going to invest here in the high schools and, and trying to keep uh, some of these in-state kids home who, who would normally leave to go place elsewhere to go play somewhere else. Uh, so I like the job Golish is doing. And so my prediction is USF will sign the number one recruiting class among G5 schools. I like it. They've got the new stadium coming as well. There, there's yep. a lot. Um, look, USF's at rock bottom right now after what, what has happened the last handful of years, but to be in that position and be recruiting like they are right now, good sign, good sign there. So that'll, Wrap up our predictions. Now, we, we said at the beginning, about 30% batting 300. That's what we're aiming yeah, for. That's what we're right, Let's for. come back. We'll <laughs> come back to this uh, maybe in December, end of the year. We'll go back through all of these, see how well or how poorly we did. I'm looking forward to coming back and checking this out. Manny, is there anything else you wanted to say about uh, this exercise? No, it was fun, Chris. I had fun doing this. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, I, I'd love to see some of the readers and, and listeners uh, send, send in some uh you know, postscript comments, right? Like which ones do they disagree and agree with? And maybe we can read back some of those takes when we, when we film the show again in December and see what the feedback was then. Yeah. Let us know on Twitter. Give us some of your thoughts on these predictions, maybe some of your own, and we'll come back to it after the season. That'll do it here. Thank you all for turning, tuning into until Saturday, make sure you're subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts and also on the YouTube channel where we post clips, videos, and all that stuff. Please leave a five-star review as we are kicking this podcast back up. They all count. Really been happy with what we've been doing in this preseason. We've got football next week, folks. Week zero is coming, and we'll be back into a normal type of podcast schedule when the season starts. But we're going to have some more fun episodes like this until then. Thanks, for everybody, for listening. Remember, you can't spell until Saturday without us. And we will talk to you guys later.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.